0: This is the Engineering and Leadership Podcast with Pat Sweet, Episode 46. Today, I speak with Dolores Hirschman on why clarity of message is key for effective leadership and how to improve your communications as a leader. And Welcome back to the show. I, of course, am Pat Sweet, and I'm thrilled to have you along here again today for another episode and an interesting conversation. Today, I'll be speaking with Dolores Hirschman about communication skills for leaders, and I think you're really going to like Dolores. She's full of energy. She brings some really great ideas to the table, and her whole persona is just Uh, wonderful and infectious. It's great. It's great. So very excited to be sharing that with you. But as usual, I've got a few things that I wanted to share with you before getting to the interview. First thing I wanted to mention is an upcoming webinar, which is going to be on February 23rd, where I'll be partnering again with my friend, Jeff Perry. And we'll be talking about providing a path for growth for employees. We're going to be touching on employee engagement The Great Resignation and a number of other related ideas, which obviously is a big, big concern for engineering managers and engineering staff everywhere. We're still working out the details, so stay tuned for that. And next, I wanted to mention a video that I just released. I mentioned last week that I was going to be starting a new video series focused on helping engineering managers with their productivity. So I'm very happy to mention that the first of three videos was published just today. And it's there to help engineering managers who are feeling overwhelmed, stressed, feeling like they're running around like chickens with their heads cut off. If this is how you feel, if this is what work looks like for you right now, this video is absolutely for you. And in the video, I introduce a productivity system that I've developed for my own use over the years as an engineering manager, and I even teach the most important element of that system as well. I will share a link to that video in the show notes, so please do go check that out. You can find the link at engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 46. All right, on with the show. When I speak with leaders in engineering, many tell me that their number one issue is communications within their organization. Research by the Grossman Group, a communications consultancy, estimated in 2011 that for large companies, poor communications cost an average of $62.4 million per company per year. That's not to mention the frustration, confusion, and stress that poor communications can cause employees and managers alike. Needless to say, poor communications are a real issue, perhaps now more than ever, with projects growing more complex, companies growing leaner, and the introduction of remote and hybrid work on a grand scale. My guest today is here to help us understand the importance of great communication, show us how it influences our leadership, and provides concrete examples of ways we can improve our communication skills. Dolores Hirschman is an investor, speaker, and author, and a communications and business strategist, along with being a TEDx organizer. She's an ICF-accredited coach and holds a Bachelor's of Business from Universidad de San Andres. Here's my conversation with Dolores. Dolores Hirschman, thank you very, very much for joining me today on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you.
1: Thank you so much, Pat, for having me.
0: I want to get started today. We're we're going to talk about clarity and the importance of of clarity within communications and uh, your messaging. But to get started, I I want to set the scene a little bit and and have you define a few terms because some of the things you talk about relate to thought leadership and and clarity of, of message. And I think for a lot of folks, they might not have been exposed to that language before. So, Could you get us rolling here and just define thought leadership for us as a starting point? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So when I talk about thought leadership, and it's a term used for someone independent on on the context they're in. It's not whether you are communicating within a company or outside of a company, but it's the concept of, think of it as the idea holder, and that idea holder communicates that idea powerfully to the world. And kind of leads a conversation. So the thought leadership is a concept of of leading a a, a thought (laughs) or leading a conversation, a topic, a theme, an idea is who is first to speak about this or first to make do some research about this and start interacting with other people around this new concept. Sometimes it's an old concept brought back. It doesn't always have to be new, but it's that leader of a conversation.
0: Okay, perfect. So this is the kind of thing, you don't necessarily need to have a PhD to be a thought leader, but it's the kind of thing, if, if you mention... You a can ser- have the
1: PhD of Harnock.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, and, that, and that's important. That's important, that lived experience. So, so that, that makes sense. Um, so when you talk about a, a person's message and, and clarity of that message, what ultimately do we mean by that? What, what do we mean by a person or a thought leader having a particular m- message?
1: Yeah. So it's a common for me, right? It's for me, my interpretation is a combination of a lot of internal clarity and carry around an idea or a thought that you want to, to really spread through the world. So first of all, it's clarity of who I am, like of all the ways I can bring a message or communicate or have an impact in my community or in my work or in my market, what kind of communicator am I? Like, what is my strength? Where do I thrive? What comes easy to me, right? Like the internal, what I call the internal knowledge so that you can have powerful internal leadership and lead yourself in an intentional way. And so that paired with, I call it the quest, the thing that you say I stand for this. So let's say that you work for a company and you stand for DNI, right? Diversity and equality and or inclusion, sorry. And you say, I am going to be the spokesperson, independent of the hierarchy. I could be new to the company, I can be at the C level, but I wanna be a spokesperson, I wanna take a stand for the conversation around diversity and inclusion. And so that paired with the knowledge of, what kind of person am I? Am an introvert, an extrovert? Uh, do I want to shout it from the main Slack channel? Or do I want to just have quiet conversations about what I think? Neither the style doesn't diminish the power. Like I think it, it, some people say the louder you are, the more leader you are. No, you're not. Or the louder you are, the more expert you are. No, you're not. And so I think it's important for everyone to understand that when you own your message and you stand by it and you choose to stand out a, a step into it, your style is going to be your style. There's no one way to do it.
0: See, that's really interesting because I, I think that flies in the face of what a lot of people experience as leadership. It's the person who... Really is uh, being super standing vocal about it, standing on the rooftops something. and screaming it, right? <laughs> and and this is something that... That's I, a I, shouter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and I'm sure that, well, that's a way to get attention. But one of the things that I've tried to emphasize with my work and in the show is that, that there's more than one way to lead. So I, I think that's really interesting that you say that. And I think the, the next logical message here is that what really is important is not the way you express it as long as you have clarity. I, I assume this is a big part of your message.
1: Exactly. And so let me just pause there. But, it, you know, shouting it from the top of the building is a way to get attention, but it's not necessarily a way to influence thought.
0: Ah, okay. Or
1: to have an impact. Getting attention and influencing or or transforming or having an impact are completely two different things. The person screaming can get my attention. I will get my hand off the fire, because I'm about to learn. But am I going to be, is that person going to be my leader? Am I going to follow? Am I going to learn? Am I going to maybe explore their ideas? Not necessarily. And so, yeah, there is no message. But there is no impact and there is no influence without message clarity.
0: Okay. So what makes a message clear? How can you tell that you've got a message and, and people get it when you present it?
1: So as a TEDx organizer, we would receive, um, for those that don't know, TEDx are independently run TED-like events and nobody gets paid. It's a volunteer thing. You do it because you love ideas or you are a masochist either way. <laughs> 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 but you want to suffer and get stressed and get very busy and not be able to do any billing hours because you are doing that. <laughs> Uh, Or you'll have ideas or both. But um, when I was a TEDx organizer, which I did for three years, we would get hundreds of applicants to speak on an event. And we would ask one. There are a few questions we asked in the application, but there was one main question, which was, what is the idea behind your talk? Mainly, it's like, what are you going to talk about? Really, that's what that means. And if we would get a short sentence, we will pay attention if we would get paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs mm. for them to explain the one idea that they were going to speak on our 18-minute stage, then that's a sign of non-clarity. So the more convoluted, the longer the explanation of what your ideas are, the less clarity you have, and the more you're just rambling.
0: Right, right. And I, I one of the things that I, I've certainly experienced in my in my career, I, I'm an engineer and I've worked with engineers throughout my career. For detailed, oriented people, for, for highly analytical people, getting to that point, getting to that sentence is incredibly difficult. And I think, I think there's a fear that if you don't explain the full story, so to speak, that people won't get it or, or that something will, will be missing. How do you get past that? How do you get over that?
1: Yes, There's a couple of layers to this. By the way, I'm a coach. So there's a couple of things I'm going to touch upon that are more a coaching thing. So my oldest son is an engineer as well. He actually, he's graduating from Northeastern in June.
0: Oh, that's great. Congratulations. Very
1: exciting. He's young. So first of all, there's this need to devolve the whole thing. And the reason why we do that is sometimes it's lack of clarity. Usually it's a combination of things. Second is... A self worth issue. If I don't show all of my knowledge and research and big words, then they won't think I'm smart enough. Here's the thing, Pat simplicity and succinctness require courage and clarity. Because if you are a PhD doctor in quantum genetic, blah, blah, blah. And you say, my idea is this, and it's a short sentence that I, who I'm a nobody, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a PhD, I can understand, then if I can understand that very smart person, then maybe they're not that smart. So there is, um, unconsciously, unless you've done your internal work and self-leadership and are looking to truly impact the world, in order to impact the world, you need to connect and engage with the world and communicate powerfully because otherwise you can't. If you truly are committed to that and you do everything in your power to do that, then you will have the courage to speak in the simplest, most clear way so that anybody, including a second grader, I don't have anything wrong with second graders, but they're in second grade, So they don't have a PhD, even a second grade can actually understand what you do. They might not be able to do what you do, but they'll be able to wrap their head around what you do. And if you're doing that, then you are committed to your work versus committed to your ego. Hmm. Because the big words, what happened with complex explanations and big words is that they create a natural gap, moat of I'm in my I-know-everything castle, there's a moat, and then there's the people who don't understand what I do because I'm so smart, they don't understand. If you're this smart and you can't communicate to this person, then you're either not that smart or not that clear.
0: See, that, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, yeah, that, that's an interesting idea because I, I think coming into this conversation, my assumption was going to be that there's, there's a skills gap for a lot of people in terms of how to distill their message into something pithy and, and, that's and true, clear. that's <laughs> uh, It really didn't occur to me that there might also be a mindset issue. Oh, yeah. And, that yeah, and that's why a, I
1: start with that. Yeah. I mean, the how, I can teach you the how in a second, but will you stand in front of a room of people that are, if you're a senior and they're a freshman, will you start in front of a room and explain your brilliant idea in one sentence, let them get it, then they will judge you that you didn't explain it enough or you, you didn't show all your cards. Now, now here's the thing. You asked me, why is it that we explain so much when we're explaining our idea? Part of it is because we collapse the potential engagement with someone. Let me explain. So communication and communication as a speaker with an audience or with your team is like dating. If you go to a first date and you say, hi, I'm Pad and I, my parents are divorced and I failed in second grade, but then I, I, I got a PhD in blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm afraid of the dark and I love the color blue. And all the way, when I grow up, I want to have two boys, one girl named Mary and three dogs. That date is going to run away as fast as <laughs> possible because you are packing, you're collapsing every experience you want to have with that person in the first 10 minutes.
0: It's overwhelming. And so
1: you, You're overwhelming. You're overwhelming. They can not digest and it's too much to in, in the dating thing. It's scary. But if you were to do that, you can't, you can't go into the details of your idea to someone that hasn't even understood the big picture. Mm. So if you're sharing an idea is first is what problem are you solving? Don't talk about what you do to simply start with, what do you solve? My son actually just called me yesterday. He's finishing his capstone. I don't know about his idea yet, but he said, oh mama, I finished my capstone and it worked. I said, what, what does it do? I didn't want to know what it, components it had or the design. And he said, it turns any body of water into drinking water in about a minute without chemicals. Wow! I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, we took it to the river and it works. So now he's coming for Thanksgiving tomorrow. I'm like, okay, show me this stuff. But if he had said it's two pieces that connect with each other and solar panel and then na- na- and it turns, then he would have lost me over there. Mm. And we have never gone to the point of what da- what actually will it do for me?
0: Yeah, that, that's very powerful. That's very powerful to, to start with the why. Start with that punchline, the bottom line up front.
1: Start with the... With the problem it solves.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's amazing.
1: Because then you plan curiosity and it's like, okay, if that person is talking about a problem that I have or, or I have experienced or I have awareness of, then I will be curious. If they start with a, like, well, I solve the problem of migratory birds that the wings get wet, yeah, it's not really my problem. I will go talk to the next person. Mm-hmm. And that's fair because I'm not the ideal audience
0: for that sure sure Thank you. so let's say you've got this desire to to establish yourself as a thought leader whether it's within your own organization you're you're working with a big company whatever the case may be what can you do to assess yourself and establish today the clarity of your message how can you identify whether or not you've got a, a gap to close there what what might you do to look yourself in the mirror so to speak
1: so let's, let's separate thought leadership on an idea and leadership. Sure. Because I think what you're asking is leadership that can, obviously will include thought leadership as, as you push different ideas. But before being a thought leadership, you have to act and behave as a leader.
0: Okay.
1: In order to act and behave as a leader, you obviously need clarity. We've already been talking about that. Clarity of self, clarity of the things that you share, clarity in how you communicate. You also need consistency. Meaning I, I can't be the cheerleader for this way of working or this kind of behavior or this idea and tomorrow the cheerleader of the opposite. Mm. Because then, then there's going to be a little bit of noise from the people listening to me. A little bit of, I mean, ultimately to be a leader, you need to be able to build trust with the people around you. You cannot be a leader if people don't trust you. You just can't. Because a dictator, yes, you can be that dictator. But a leader requires free will from the people that follow you. And so free will means that they have to choose to follow you or listen to you or work with. Or they, can, they can work with you because they have to, but to really buy into you mm. as, as a guide, as a mentor, as a, as, as a voice that guides the group. So without trust, there is no leadership. And so consistency builds trust. Obviously, clarity also builds trust because you care enough to communicate clearly enough for me to understand. So clarity, consistency, obviously confidence, and your internal capacity to be clear or aware of where what is your strength, what is your weakness, and to play into that. And I was, i'm 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 merging to usually i i talk about consistency and conhe- cohesiveness and so but that's a little bit more when you are outward facing but inward facing opportunities is cohesiveness of message consistency of how you show up but also consistency in availability you know you know the leader in the company or the team lead who is maybe doesn't have good handle of their Calendar or got has their fingers in too many projects, but they're never available for their team. Mm. You know that's that's a problem, and that's a problem that affects your capacity to lead your team, and eventually will
0: hurt your work. Well, you can't communicate if, if you can't show up.
1: If they can't access, yeah,
0: yeah. And th- this actually leads me to to one of the other questions that that I had for you is about the importance of, or, or maybe not the importance, but the role that medium plays in communicating your message. Because I think a lot of leaders, and certainly I've gone through phases in my own career where this is the case, is it's difficult to show up. It's difficult to be available. And you rely on asynchronous tools, right? Whether yes. it's a Slack channel or email. Uh, I'd be curious to know what your take is with respect to the power of of some mediums over others. Is it is, is email inherently better for some things or is face-to-face communication inherently better for some things? What's your take on that? Do, do people over-rely on some, on some methods versus others? I'd just, just be curious to know what your experience is.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's so various in the context and also, you know, you'll look at people and their personalities and they'll choose one medium over another based on what their comfort zone is. Mm-hmm. So an introvert will always want to, prefer Slack or an email versus a Zoom, right? And an extrovert uh, will always prefer a Zoom with a with camera on, you know. But if you are being intentional about your your as a leader, if you're trying to really truly engage with your, let's say, your team, you know, depending on the, the reason for connecting, anything that is not straightforward, tactical should be a Zoom because if you're having a conversation about performance, if you have a conversation about a creative idea, so move forward or or problem solving, you want to be fully engaged. So in person would be great. Zoom is second best. Then there's so many asynchronous, as you say. You know, Slack has been for many of us the, the the backbone highway of communication. Sure. And so I've actually have a new appreciation about playing with that what that means is that there is a diplomacy in any of these mediums and yes short and sweet makes it efficient and productive but short and sweet can also be misinterpreted could be too too cold too sharp and so emojis go a long way i mean call me crazy but emojis go a long way gifs in oh, giphy you know the animated gifs yeah, to make yeah. a point point really make people smile. I smile when I have a funny gift. I really do. Like when they're, they're making up, Like we just were in a slack on something and someone was confused and there was a little bit of like, it was going into like the blaming game thing. They like, did you do this? And someone said, well, I think we've duplicated documents and and someone came in and clarified, no, 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 we're all set. There's one document. And so that person said, thank God oh, 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 or something like funny, yeah. like, oh, I'm so relieved. But it was a funny gif, so it just made the whole thread not so tight. So a funny gif can really unlock a thread of conversation that is getting tighter and tighter and tighter because people are getting stressed.
0: Oh no, I, I think it's a, a brilliant point, and and I don't think I've ever heard or, or, or spoken with anyone here on the show who who really emphasized the the power of things like emojis and gifs and. I agree with you, I really do that there's a there's an interesting book out uh,
1: chemically, I mean think about it. I mean, pay attention to that chemically something happens and you're like there's a a, a little bit of levity. Mm, yeah, and when you allow a little bit of levity, here's the thing. What does stress do? Stress actually shuts down our creative thinking, right? Because stress puts us into fear, into reaction, into fight or flight. And all of those create the the chemical reaction that in literally impairs thinking. You, there's right. a lot of research on this. You shut down creativity and you go into full alert, and you are in like, okay, where am I gonna get hit? You put a little bit of levity into a stressful conversation, and all of a sudden you you can't help it. But if you put something funny, you're gonna smile. The moment you do this, chemically, you're releasing or you're balancing the stress chemical reaction. You're releasing dopamine. The moment you release dopamine, and if you can stay in that track, you're going to lower your stress. The moment you lower your stress, you'll actually be able to problem solve. So when a, not a leader, because I wouldn't call that person a leader, but a manager who's not necessarily a good leader, they get into stress because something's happening and they're going to they're coming from the top. They're getting hit, mm. and they transfer it to the team. Now you have a whole chain of people who cannot problem solve, think critically, or creatively, because you have actually infused from the top down stress and stress reaction. Nothing good comes from stress reaction.
0: Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Okay. The the uh, almost viral nature. Of that. And I use that term very carefully, especially these days. But, but it's true. Yeah. One of the things we, we've talked about already when it comes to clarity of message is that desire, that tendency to go into too much detail, to over explain, to, to build that moat. What other problems? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to use a moat thing now. I like that. I like that. No, but. but... I never used it before. So <laughs> it's <laughs> brilliant. What are the problems do you see in your practice when it comes to? problems or issues that impede clarity.
1: So so what happens when the mode is present?
0: Well, if you're having trouble being clear, I, go, going too much detail is one issue, but are are there any others that, that kind of present themselves that that really get in the way of clarity, w- whether it's that mindset thing or skill set thing? What, what other problems should people look out for?
1: Yeah. So mindset is part of it. Tactical knowledge about how to best communicate, understanding how Someone will receive information, always can help. And also trying to be an expert too soon. You know, there is such thing as expertise. Hmm. And you either have it or you don't. And so you can't really, you really truly can fake it. Because if you really fake, you're faking expertise I will know in one second because you're over explaining because you really don't even understand it yourself. You're using big words because you don't know what they mean. So if you don't know what they mean, they won't know what they mean. So nobody will get you. And you are never really efficient or productive in that communication. Like it's almost like these are, you know, you've been in meetings where there's empty conversations where they don't go anywhere because the person is just regurgitating something they learned or read in a magazine or in an article but they don't, didn't fully kind of explore it yet. So there's a timing for expertise. And if you don't have it, say, you know, I've heard this, sounds interesting. I'm not the expert yet, but let's explore it together. That's leadership. That's saying, let's open our shared minds to a new idea that I am not an expert yet. So I'm not going to claim that, but I think it can help us in this way or that
0: way. I think you're painting a really, if I may say, a clear picture <laughs> of what of what it means to have clarity w- within a message. Can you think of an example? Whether it's a, I don't know, a, a TED talk or a book or, or anything else, where, where someone does a, a, a really good job of communicating a message with clarity, despite the subject matter being. Complex or difficult?
1: Yeah. And I'll talk about uh, one of my clients because one of the things I do do with, with my clients is craft their talks, craft mm. their signature talk. So this client came to me and she, she needed to present at one of the big conferences on genetic treatments for, for terminal illnesses.
0: Wow. Okay. So she's
1: a Yale doctor, you know, genetic researcher working with people mostly with cancer or some kind of terminal health issue with specific genetic differences. And so she came to me and she explained to me what she did. Could I grasp the main ideas, even though she was going into all the scientific side? And even though she was going to speak at a scientific conference, what I encouraged her to do is for every bit of information or data point that she was going to share to wrap it around a personal story. This is what I call like the gift. When you receive a gift, it's wrapped in a bow and a paper. And that's because this easy, like it's just a gesture, how how it's presented that matters. So we when you're presenting difficult, complex ideas or, or research, then if you wrap it into some human being's experience, in the case of this doctor she told three stories, one of a woman who was pregnant with twins and had some high stage four cancer and what her journey was and why this treatment was a right one for her. Originally she was going to just talk about the treatment and the percentage of research of, of success and, and probability of whatever, but by wrapping it and weaving it in a person's story then first, it's easy for all of us to continue following her because she's engaging our creative brain and our analytical brain. That's what storytelling does. And second, she was able to keep not just the people engaged, but committed to her message. So it's really it's about how you construct your, what you want to say in a way that it can be digestible by your audiences.
0: I really like that, the, the, the power of story. And I think that's really interesting that 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 particular device was useful in that situation where it's it's an expert speaking to other experts who are perfectly capable of following the technical detail.
1: They're also capable of falling asleep.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that and that and that's the key it's message. human. Is, yeah, absolutely. And everyone is overburdened and overwhelmed and busy, and our attention's divided. Uh, it's really it's really interesting to hear about the value of treating an audience like an audience, even if they are your peers or, or have a similar background to you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's an audience, which is human, who may have just had lunch, or is tired, or is in a day with 15 other speakers, or whatever. And, and the human brain, especially now, you know, more than 15, 20 minutes, you know, we start kind of shutting down. And listening to less and less of the content, so so keeping it relevant, keeping both sides of our brain engaged, is important.
0: Yeah, th- this is uh this is hugely valuable, Dolores, and I, I really appreciate the the insights here. M- my hope is that the the people who are listening to the show today are seeing more and more the the importance of clarity in a message, the importance of of being able to communicate ideas when it comes to developing and establishing leadership. If someone was interested in in you and your work and, and trying to pursue this further, what might you uh, direct them to? How could they learn more?
1: Yeah, the best way to to learn more is to go to mastersinclarity.com. That's my company and you'll be guided there. There's, uh, you can hop on a call with my team or myself um, or look at the, the the programs that I
0: offer. Excellent. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to that. So uh, once again, Dolores, this is just awesome. I really appreciate your, your time and your expertise today. It was an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you so much, Pat. We'll
0: talk again soon. Thank you once again, Dolores, for that wonderful, wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed chatting with you. And there was an awful lot that came out of that conversation that struck me as interesting or unique. Things that I wanted to touch on again here after the interview. One was this idea of the value of emojis and gifts, and how powerful bringing levity to a conversation can be. And it got me thinking about the fact that we have a number of rules that we have in business communications about what's acceptable and what's not, and the fact that a lot of the rules that we have, a lot of the things that we do accept, don't make a lot of sense because they don't actually help move a message along. We accept poor grammar and poor formatting and quickly typed emails on iPhones and mobile devices. We we accept this stuff where some other things like emojis and gifts are maybe a little less professionally accepted in most circles. And I can't help but wonder why that is, because I think Dolores has a point in that there are certain things we can do. There are tools that we have at our disposal that culturally, cu- corporate culture hasn't quite accepted yet. So I really appreciated that idea. One of the other things that came up was this idea of building a moat by over-explaining, by propping yourself up and demonstrating to the world just how smart you are, just how brilliant you are, and that you can inadvertently create this distance, create this separation between you and the people you are ostensibly trying to communicate with. It's really important as an expert, and many of us are experts, technical experts in our fields, interacting with other technical experts, it's important to be very careful to be accessible. Because even if you have all of the knowledge, and even if you are sharing exactly what you know, you may still not be communicating. And that's a really important thing to bear in mind. You can use all the right words and still not be actually communicating, getting your point across or bringing people into the fold. And if you're not sharing your knowledge, then what's the point? You're really not moving things forward. So I really liked that idea, that visual of building a moat around yourself for for your own ego, your own self-worth. So that's something to be very careful of. Finally, the power of story was an important lesson for me. People get stories, people love stories. And this came up in a really interesting book called Building a Story Brand, if I'm not mistaken. And in that book, the author explains that people latch on to long-form content all the time in the form of movies. And the reason movies work, where you can actually be engaged for two, two and a half, three hours at a go, is because it's built around story. There's very little in life that we could sit and pay attention to for three hours straight. And the argument he makes is that yeah, the the visuals are important. Good dialogue is important. But what's most critical is story. And what Dolores said here, I think, backs that up. If you can find a way to present and communicate your ideas by leveraging story, you'd be amazed at how much easier it is to communicate to the people you are trying to reach. So again, Dolores, thank you so much for the tips, for the advice, for the insight I'll be sure to put links to your website, your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. If anyone is interested in working with Dolores or learning more, you can absolutely do that by going to the show notes, engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 46. Next up, we've got the engineering and leadership mailbag. Well, my friends, you know how this works. This is the part of the show where I read your messages and answer your questions. I promise to read everything you send me, and I promise to read my favorites right here on the podcast. I got quite a few notes over the last week, which was just fantastic to see. Alexander D'Souza shared an episode of this podcast on running effective meetings over LinkedIn. And it was great to see the, the material that I produce here in the show being shared with other people, especially when it comes to meetings. This is a topic that I'm, I'm very passionate about. So it was great to see that it was being used used in a way to help others. So thank you so much, Alexander, for sharing that. Really appreciate that. Riley Shoot reached out to say, happy 2022. First off, I would like to say thank you for the continued great work you are doing through your podcast. It has really helped me to develop and recognize the type of engineer I want to be. So thank you very much, Riley. That's super motivating and I'm really glad that the show is helping you. Looking forward to chatting with you again soon. Next, I got a message from Daniel saying he's also a big fan of the show. So thank you very much, Daniel, for reaching out. And finally, I got a note from John Prindle, who says, I just discovered this podcast and I love the content. I recently took on an application engineering manager role and the content will be crucial for upskilling. I'm already experiencing an unmanageable amount of email. A webinar called Inbox Detox was discussed on one of the shows and I was wondering if that content is still available or if there will be another opportunity to take part. John, thank you very much for reaching out and congratulations on the recent promotion. That's excellent news. I'm I'm sorry to hear about the email overwhelm situation i am not surprised unfortunately it's something that most of us go through especially early on it's something that is very difficult to try to navigate but you're in luck. Uh, I do have a replay of that webinar, the Inbox Detox webinar, which I believe I originally did back in October. So I'll be sharing a link in the show notes for that, for you, for anyone else who's interested in it. And I'll also be doing another live version of that webinar in the coming months as well. It was very popular And there are lots of people who wrestle with email. So I would encourage people to keep their eyes peeled for that. Or if you can't wait, do check out the show notes and you can find a link there. Thanks again to all those who reached out. If you would like to chat or leave a comment, please do find me on LinkedIn or on Twitter. Or you can always go to the show notes and scroll to the bottom of the page and leave a comment there. That's all the time we have for the show today. I will be back next week with a brand new episode featuring Anthony Fasano, who's a good friend of the show, on how engineers can grow their leadership skills and what organizations can do to support them. Don't forget to check out the newly posted video in my three-video series on productivity for engineering managers. Again, that link will be in the show notes. If you enjoyed the show, I would love it if you subscribed so that you can stay with me on this journey. You can check out new episodes in the future. And it would be great if you could leave an honest review and let me know what you thought was most interesting from today's episode. Reviews, of course, help me make the show better and help others discover the show as well. For more information and links to the resources mentioned today, again, just go to the show notes at engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 46. Until next time, this is Pat Sweet reminding you that if you're going to be anything, be excellent. You've been listening to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast with Pat Sweet. To learn more about the Engineering and Leadership Project, including other podcasts, articles, free resources, courses, consulting, and much, much more, just go to engineeringandleadership.com. That's engineeringandleadership.com.